You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Amen. I am so privileged this evening to be speaking to the London International Christian Church. So privileged to be an Englishman that believes in God. And I'm so thankful that I'm a part of a kingdom that's international. Uh, I remember all those years back that Michael was talking about. uh, I was 15 years old and uh, I came to Bible Talk looking for a relationship and I left with a relationship with God. So it's amazing. And. I really want to have a quick prayer ready to glorify God. Father God, thank you for this time. Uh, uh, Thank you so much for Steve Fraser's faith and his prayer. Thank you so much for speaking through him. Father, I just want to offer up another prayer to please come down, Father. Please teach your people, God. Teach them how to get to the next level, Father. Please teach them how to reignite. Teach them how to reinvent themselves through your word, Father. You have heard me. I pray that you can please speak to your people and that we can hear you. We thank you. We love you. And it's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. Am I speaking to the men tonight? I'm glad. I'm glad. Tonight, God is going to change you. He's going to change you from being the little guy who gets a cheap shot in a fight to a guy that works out regularly, keeps himself in shape, diets right, knows how to fight, goes to the guy in the street in front of his friends, calls him out, gets the guy angry, starts the fight, starts swinging, gets jumped by the guy's friends, gets hit three on one, watches if they have knives, is watching for the police, has a couple of close moments, barely wins the fight with a torn shirt that you can't wear again, blood and dirt on your trousers, a busted knuckle, an elbow that's aching because you've landed on the concrete uh, improperly, goes home, goes to the bathroom, cleans up the blood, wraps up the cuts and makes it look normal so nobody asks questions when he goes to work the next morning. Come on! Are you ready tonight? This year has been a year of fire for me, but I've come to you with a message from God. Maybe you heard my name and thought, oh, this is going to be a message from a a campus guy or a singles guy. I'm sorry, but if that's the case, then you are deaf and blind in the eyes of God. The title of my sermon this evening, Reignite the Fire of God. In Exodus 19 verse 18 it says Mount Sinai was covered in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Exodus 24 verse 17 To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. In Luke 3 verse 16 John the Baptist says about Jesus I baptize you with water but one will be more powerful than I who will come and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen. Revelation 1 verse 14 the hair on his head was white like wool and as white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire. Amen. God uses fire to convict his people. Mm. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 11. Come on. We're going to look at the glory days of Saul. 
And we're going to look at one of Saul's finest moments. Give me an amen when you're there. Amen. Come on, Nick Georgia. Come on, Nick. Type of sermon, reignite the fire of God. Amen. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Nahash the Ammonite came up and laid siege to Jabesh Gilead. All the men of Jabesh said to make a treaty with us and we will serve you. Nahash the Ammonite replied, I will make one with you on this condition that you gouge out everyone's right eye and humiliate all Israel. Don't do anything to us for seven days, the elders of Jabesh said to him. And let us send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If no one saves us, we will surrender to you. The Ammonites were an incredibly, incredibly wicked people that worshipped a god named Molech. Now, Molech had a bull's head and a human being's arms. And if you worship Molech, you didn't have to worry about throwing yourself in the fire. You'd throw your kids into the fire. Uh, The Ammonite tribe were unlike any other tribe in the fact that they didn't settle where they were, but in fact, they were a movement. This is the amazing thing about the Ammonites. They didn't simply settle in one place. No, they continued to conquer and they were constantly looking to expand. What does that teach us? Satan doesn't lead a church. Satan leads a movement. I'm reminded of the the shameful uh, news that I, I, as myself and Ola, we were watching the news this week to see that Brighton University, yep. in their freshest fair, had a stall to support sex workers. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. sex workers yep. to support them if they needed anything, if they needed any help. Yeah. That's how shameful we've become. Yeah. That's how shameful the modern day Ammonites have become. Yeah. Let's look a bit more into the Ammonites. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4. Come on, bro. In Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to read some shocking things about the Ammonites. I pray that you've been in 1 Samuel over this month. I pray you've been studying your Bibles. I had to repent. I wasn't digging hard enough. And I repented and I've got some things to show you. Come on. In Nehemiah. In chapter 4, in verse 7, when Sambalot, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashdodites heard that the repair to the walls of Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed. They became furious and they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. The Ammonites fought against the rebuilding of the temple. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 12. We're going to read something shocking about the Ammonites. Give me an amen when you're there. Come on, guys. 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 13. King Rehoboam established his royal power in Jerusalem. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king and reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city the Lord had chosen from all the tribes of Israel to put his name. Rehoboam's mother's name was Neymar the what? The Ammonite. Rehoboam did what was evil because he did not determine in his heart to seek the Lord. David. 
David's grandson was part was raised by one of the enemies of God. And he did evil because he stopped seeking God. If you haven't figured this out by now as a disciple, Satan is not your friend. Solomon gave into the lust of women and it nearly cost the whole kingdom. You guys want more? Yes. I didn't hear everyone. You guys want more? Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 13. Okay, preach. In chapter 13, we're going to read. This is Nehemiah in verse 13. Sorry, yeah. Chapter 13, verse 23. In those days, I also saw Jews who had married women from Ashdod, Amnon, and Moab, the Ammonites. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples, but could not speak Hebrew. You had kingdom kids that knew nothing about the Bible. How scary is that? That puts the fear of God in me. Mm. That one day I'm going to have children and I want them to be kingdom kids that become disciples. It's not made enough to be a kingdom kid. I rebuked them, cursed them, beat some of their men and pulled their hair. I forced them to take an oath before God and said, you must not give your daughters in marriage Mm. to their sons or take their daughters as wives for your sons or yourselves. Didn't King Solomon of Israel sin in matters like this? Mm. That was Rehoboam's father. There was not a king like him among many nations. He was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Yet foreign women grew him, or drew him, into sin. Why should then we hear about you doing all these terrible evils and acting unfaithfully against our God by marrying foreign women? Even one of the sons of Jehoiada, son of Elishad, the high priest, had become a son-in-law to Sambalat the Horonites. So I drove him away from me. Remember them, my God, for defiling the priesthood as well as the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Maybe you guys didn't catch that. The Ammonites helped defile the priesthood. In the New Testament, can somebody tell me what a priest is? Exactly. Thank you very much. What have we learned? False doctrine is the result of foreign persuasion. Mm. Yes. Let's read verse 30. So I purified them from everything foreign and assigned specific duties to each of the priests and Levites. Every single church out there that preaches false doctrine is a result of a loss in the eyes of God. Mm. They're not cute, they're not ingenious, they're not thriving. They have been influenced by Satan. Preach. In the same way that these guys mixed what was from the world with the Jews is the same way that people that believe in false doctrine mix what we have as disciples with the world. Preach. What does that show you? You can be a disciple and still believe in false doctrine yep. if you're not living according to your faith and spirit and truth. Preach. Isn't that crazy? I've got two points for you this evening. Point number one might hurt a bit. Point number one, set yourself on fire. Let's go back to 1 Samuel in chapter 11. One of Saul's finest moments. When Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God suddenly took control of him 
and his anger burned furiously. He took a team of oxen, cut them into pieces, and sent them throughout the land of Israel by messengers who said, this is what we done to the ox of anyone who doesn't march behind Saul and Samuel. As a result, the fear or the terror of the Lord fell on the people and they went out united. To renew the fire, you've got to set yourself on fire. In verse 6, the Spirit of God took control of Saul and he burned with anger. And the fire in Saul began to burn. You see, at this time, Saul, he was calling people to unity. He didn't expect them to self-combust. Maybe this, mo- this evening, you're expecting, just expecting unity. Unity is bringing people together. Yeah. We are a brotherhood. And we have to be pulled together into unity. Don't expect unity to come from self-combustion. Come on. Come on. My first challenge. How are your quiet times been this week? Come on. Are they in ashes? To revitalize your quiet times, you must sit near the fire of God often. Point number two. Burning passion for God's promises. Let's read from verse 8. Saul counted them at Bezek, and there were 300,000 Israelites and 30,000 men from Judah. He told the messengers who had come, Tell this to the men of Jabesh Gilead. Deliverance will be yours tomorrow by the time the sun is hot. The messengers told the men of Jabesh, and they (coughs) rejoiced. Then the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Tomorrow we will come out and you can do whatever you want with us. They were so cocky. They they had heard Saul's faith and they were like, Man, the the enemies of God, they can't do nothing to us. We are fired up. Verse 11, the next day Saul organized the troops into three divisions. During the morning watch, they invaded the Ammonite camp and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. There were survivors, but they were so scattered that no two of them were left together. This is one of Saul's finest moments because Saul promised the people deliverance. I remember being in Paris and honestly, this was not one of my finest moments. And I needed deliverance. And I needed deliverance, honestly, from myself. I needed deliverance from my depression, from my bitterness, my anxiety. I remember days when I would just sit there, wouldn't share my faith, and I would just be watching TV in French. And I don't know a word of what they're saying. But I did not want to go and share my faith. I didn't even want to go to the store because I knew I had to do everything in French. I lacked so much faith. I was so low. I was so weak. I was so prideful. I didn't go to God. That was where I was at. And I needed deliverance from myself. But you won't learn until you burn. Fire purges corruption. I was in so much impurity. Pornography, masturbation. Three to five times a week. And I didn't get open about it for seven months. Anthony would ask me, hey bro, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, how are things with Naomi? Yeah, we're good. How's your pretty? Yeah, fine. Everything's good. The whole time, I practiced deceit. I was unashamed. And I thought that I could get away with it. I am a man that has went through the fire and I'm thankful for God's grace. But how about you? Maybe this evening you're running from the fire. I did. 
I try to run from God's fire. But you can't run from God's fire of judgment. If you think I'm talking to you this evening, I'm not. God is. Maybe you're neck deep in sin. Maybe you're hiding it. And maybe you come here thinking, okay, I'm just going to put on a, a poker face. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, watch porn tonight. And no one's going to say anything. They're not. But you're pretty much going to be spiritually killing yourself. I know because I was there. I want to put the fear of God into you. I don't want to put some inspirational fear into you. This is not my sermon. This is not my Bible. This is God's Bible. This is God's Word. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2. I pray that the fear of God is instilled into you this evening. We're going to read some shocking things that God may have to say about you. In chapter 2 and verse 19. Give me an amen when you're there. Great stuff. Come on, brothers. Chapter 2, verse 19. This is Peter speaking to a church. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and are defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit. And so, after watching itself wallows in the mud, God says it was better for you to have not been a disciple anyway than to have sinned and be neck deep in it in the first place. Disciples can promise the truth, but they themselves are corrupted. Yeah. We're not going to stop there, though. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. You might say, well, that's okay, Samuel. I've been pure. Okay, how about your faith? Yeah. Let's go to verse 18 in chapter 1. Romans 1, verse 18. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Very simple question. Does your faith build the kingdom or suppress the truth? I challenge you to stop running and to get rid of your impurity. I'm telling you as a man who is just like you. I hid it for months and it corrupted my soul. Anthony knew I was in impurity. Kevin knew. The only person I was lying to was myself. Mm. Let me get real. My dad died of AIDS. He had had HIV for 8 to 10 years. Mm. My best friend in the kingdom, he got into so much impurity for months and months and months. And I nearly went there. He started... Uh, going on websites to find prostitutes and he then he fell away ruined his life he knows this is the kingdom he knows this is the truth but you know why he's not singing with us today because he's ashamed because he's ashamed he's holding himself back this is the one that scared me the most sat down with a brother and uh, he said to me bro you need to change and Oliver will uh, attest to this. You know chemical recovery? Yeah. You know it's not just for drugs and alcohol, right? Yeah. It's for porn addiction as well. Absolutely. 
You want to be in CR because of porn addiction? You want that shame on you? That freaked me out. I said, I do not want to be one of those guys. I do not want to be influenced. Maybe you're not physically taking outside drugs. But if you keep going down that road, it will mess you up. I do not want to be a brother who is in CR for porn and masturbation. Here's my next practical. Consume God's power often. I want to set you guys a personal example. Over the last two weeks, I've gone after praying three times a day. Prayer purges foreign persuasion. Three times a day. Who's been, who's been with me praying? Who can attest to this? Aji, Dylan. They know. After a Bible study, they say, sorry guys, I've got to go. I've got to go pray. And now they're used to it. Why? Because I don't want to fast from prayer. Luke 11, what does Jesus teach? Give us each day our daily bread. How often do you eat? I eat three to four times a day. Come on. Three to four times a day. Because I need it. Not because I'm better, but because I need it. Being knee deep in impurity and then coming back to fight in London, you need deep prayer. Like I said, this is not my sermon. These are not my scriptures. This is God speaking to you. Stop fasting from prayer. Stop having one prayer a day. You don't eat once a day. You need three prayers. Well, I needed three prayers a day. I'm calling you to... We have the Daniel fast, but what about the Daniel prayers? Daniel prayed more than once. He needed it. Now, because I prayed three prayers a day, I don't struggle with impure thoughts. That's just the truth. I don't struggle with it. I don't struggle with bitterness. I don't struggle with evil thoughts. Three prayers a day. Doesn't even let my mind. Preach. I'm not saying I'm better. No way. But how many of us have tried that? Mm-hmm. We call people to seek God with all of our heart. Are you willing to pray three prayers a day with all of your heart? Preach. Number three. Glorifying fire renews the kingship. Come on. Let's go back to first Samuel. Yes, sir. Chapter 11 again, verse 12. Afterward, the people said to Samuel, Who said that Saul should not reign over us? Give us those men so that we can kill them. (laughs) Unity brings radical change. But Saul ordered, No one will be executed this day, for today the Lord has provided deliverance in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let's go to Gilgal, so that we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there in the Lord's presence they made Saul king. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence. And Saul and all the men of Israel greatly rejoiced. After the victory, Israel offered the fellowship offering. Now the incredible thing about the fellowship offering is it's the only offering that was totally free will. It was totally a way of thanking God. Here's the insight. It highlighted the peace between God and God's people. What is that for us today? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ highlights the peace between God and the lost world. Amen. It highlights God's love. 
It highlights that God did not let us go into our sins to be destroyed. No, Jesus Christ is the peace for our lives. Our peace with God comes through Jesus Christ. You can find foreshadowing of Jesus in every book in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, we are Christ's ambassadors. Just like the priests, we speak between God and the lost world. I pray that you're not defiled this this evening. Do you bring fire in your region? And are you renewing God's kingship in your region? Let's go to 2 Peter again. I love Peter. I love Peter because Peter was a man who overcame. You may have come in this evening thinking, oh my gosh, we're doing this all over again. I can't bear it. Well, I want to encourage you. Peter was a man who overcame. Chapter 1 of 2 Peter from verse 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this reason, very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness, knowledge. Knowledge, self-control. Self-control, endurance. Endurance, godliness. Godliness, brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being, my version says, useless. And unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have prayers that scare you? That is what it's going to take to evangelise London. Either people will be scared of your prayers... Or you'll be scared of the lack of prayer. I want to share with you guys some of the prayers that I've been praying this week. God, give me a deeper conviction in faith in you and the Bible than in what I see or experience. God, please expose my sin so I can be consecrated. Use me as a vessel to influence disciples to have the fear of God and a deep desire for leadership. Put me in situations of suffering that are hard to submit in. To widen my perspective on the importance of putting you over my own agenda. Yes, sir. I pray that you can use Chris and myself to make one more disciple in the month of October. Come on. Reinforce my convictions on your existence and that the whole Bible is the truth and the correct doctrine of the Bible. Use me as a vessel to serve as much as possible during the EMC and to influence others to serve wholeheartedly also. And I pray for five individuals in the East to be deeply inspired to have the dream, to evangelize the nations in this generation, and to have faith that you'll bless them if they put your dream first. And finally, give me more than enough strength to spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically deal and overcome the challenges that come with these prayers. I pray like that because God answered four of my prayers last month. Come on. I said, God, completely heal me of the issues of my father. And I think Sunday for me was an example of that. I cried seven to eight times before I preached that lesson. 
And I can tell you, I'm completely healed of the issues with my father. I pray God, transform the East service. Transform the singing. Transform the glory that is due to you. And we've had some incredible East region services. No longer is the mediocrity the standard. No, we are glorifying God. I said, God, please help me to make one disciple. I've been unfruitful for so long. Because of selfish ambition and selfish desires. I said, God, I did a hand up. I said, God, if you give me one person to make into a disciple... I'm going to do everything I can to teach them everything I know. I'm going to go beyond the first principles. Special missions. I'm going to teach them about special missions. I'm going to teach them about pure dating in the kingdom. I'm going to teach them everything I know since 15 years old. And finally, because he's my dad, God, give me a place to box for next to nothing on my schedule. And God answered all of those prayers. God has answered many of my prayers this month. But this isn't simply something that happened in London. See, before the GLC, I was so inspired by my girlfriend, Naomi Jarvis. We came up with a plan before the, the, uh, two weeks before the GLC. We said, God, please, we want to, we want to glorify you. We're going to share with a thousand people in two weeks. And it was incredible. Because we've made that plan. And honestly for me it was hard. It was so challenging to, do a, to, to reach out to a thousand people. Au français. Si j'ai pas au français, pour toi maintenant, tu comprends pas. Peut-être except Bradley. And les frères là-bas ici. And Michael aussi. You guys don't understand a word, right? Imagine, and uh, Zachary, peut-être aussi. Vas-y, mon frère, vas-y. You guys don't understand what I was saying, do you? Imagine being me in that situation, sharing with a thousand people. But to the glory of God, Naomi and I, we shared with a thousand people before the GLC. And now, Naomi has a girl, a French woman, that just yesterday did discipleship and said, I want to be a saved disciple. Come on. Oh, yeah. Glory to God. When you glorify God, when it's all about the glory of God, it will change your life. Yeah. I was so worldly before. I was so spiritually worldly. I didn't want to be religious. I wanted to be like the rest of the English. I wanted to be pessimistic. I wanted to be faithless. And then it destroyed my family. And I said, I don't want that to happen anymore. Mm. I said, I've got to change. Mm. I don't want it to be the legacy of my life. Mm. And glory to God at Queen Mary, we've had three to six studies a day. Yesterday in the East, we had seven studies set up. I want to show about two guys. I know where they are. I want to show about Chris, who's sitting at the front. Come on, Chris. It's been so fun uh, studying Bible with Joel. I know he's at the back thinking, oh my gosh, he's talking about me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but Joel's an amazing guy. He sees that the truth is the word of God. And he wants to go after it. Please pray for him to be our brother. Amen. First year math students at Queen Mary. Who, Queen Mary for me is the hill country. I'm not as smart as those guys. I went to one of the worst universities in London. 
<laughs> what am I doing there? What am I doing there? You know? But I'm like, hey, I'm a graduate. So I know more about life than you do. So hey, Amen. who graduated, you know? <laughs> and now I want to share about Chris. Because this glorifies God. I've never, never effectively studied the Bible with someone who was English. And Chris is an amazing guy. He is. He's a, a second year biomedical student at Queen Mary. Plays five instruments. Quarter Palestinian. Co-leader of the Boxing Society at Queen Mary. Yeah. That's only the physical stuff. <laughs> Gave his tithe on Sunday without anyone asking. Let's go, Chris. Come on. Came to Diva on Friday and said, Sammy, you've got to teach me these songs. Mm. I'm loving this. Came early. Yes. Came yes. dressed up on Sunday. Yes. Oh. Told his family, here, I'm going to church. Challenged them with the scriptures. Yes. Before kingdom, he said, Samuel, I see from the scriptures that after someone becomes a disciple, they've got to be baptized. Can you baptize me after you make me into a disciple? Come on. Oh, we shared our faith on Friday. Met a guy who I studied the Bible with today. Wow. And he was challenged yesterday, you've got to be broken about the cross. Yeah. And you know what he did without anyone asking? He fasted. Wow. That puts me to shame. I'm like, wow, how many fast, fasts have I broken? Yeah. Glory to God. I'm not here to toot my own horn. This brings glory to God. <laughs> Men, my dear brothers, this is your hour. This is not victory of a region or of a church, but a victory for Jesus Christ. London, England, and the whole world has changed. Yeah. We are under threat. And the jaws of death may bring you to your knees in grief and confusion. But, Let's remain on our knees. For our God does not lie and wait forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He will turn the tide and he will change our odds. When the world has all the answers, we change the questions. London, men of God, the sun will shine on us again once more. So, one more time, just one more time, just one more time. For our fallen brothers, let's glorify our God and let's take London together. And to God be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.